In this week's episode of the Automotive Talent Show podcast, we discuss attracting the next generation of automotive people, EVs and mobility, the agency model, and the potential game changer that no one is talking about. Let's get into it. Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Automotive Talent Show podcast, the podcast where we get to know and gain insights from leaders within the automotive industry. My guest this week is a trusted voice in the Australian automotive industry whose guidance and advice has helped shape some of the biggest organizations in the country. Welcome to the podcast, Steve Bragg. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for your intro. That's all right. That's all right. You are, um, you, you definitely, you definitely live up to that, to that, um, to the, to that verbiage there. You are someone that definitely has, uh, I suppose, helped guide and shape through, through the different things you've done through your career in the industry in Australia. So I'm, I'm sure everyone is fairly familiar with the, uh, with, with who you are, mate. But, um, right. for the people that don't know, um, what's the, what's the Steve Bragg story? Well, it's um, well. Look, I guess you can tell from the accent. I come from America, uh, from the from the Midwest. So from a place uh, in, in Ohio, uh, just north of Dayton, um, pretty much a rural farm type area. So just think of uh, farm uh, cornfields and and farms. That's 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 where I grew up. Um, nowhere near an ocean. So um, so when when I graduated university, um, I took a role with a company called Crow, and they had an affiliation or an exchange with. Uh, the Horworth business here in Australia, in Sydney. And um, one of the things they, they threw up was, hey, do you want to go to Sydney and do some audits and, uh, and, and tax work in, in automotive? And I said, fantastic, let's do that. I want to see the ocean. Because yeah. I literally uh, had never seen the ocean until I, until I uh, came to Australia in 2003 um, on or on exchange to do, uh, to do um, basically audits of car dealerships. Um, and yeah, so yeah, you can imagine a 20 six-year-old person seeing uh, the ocean for the first time and yeah, bright-eyed and bushy tails yeah, yeah yeah similar i was i was one of those um you know i was probably on bondi rescue getting pulled from the waves and resuscitated <laughs> on the beach that was me that's me you know we, we don't know what swimming is really like outside no. of a pool no. uh or, or a lake uh, so yeah waves are something completely different and, and by the way that has not changed uh, my ability to swim in the ocean uh, has, has, has uh, probably degraded as I've been here uh, for 17 years. So, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to find I, I love the ocean. I love the beach. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a it's a workout for me because I get beat up by the way. I don't I'm not very good at it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very, I've done some surfing lessons, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, so I came to Australia back in 03 on exchange. I did that three times. So I would basically do the busy time of year for tax and audit in the US. And then I'd come to Australia and do the same thing. Um, and then um, I met my wife, my, my, my wife um, on the second uh, second trip over. And then um, I moved here on the third trip. Um, and um, I worked with Wayne Pearson for all that time. So Wayne's a good mate of mine and a, and a mentor in, in all, everything I do. Um, and he's, he's currently working with us here at Pictures, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so um, I, I, did, I did that and then uh, um, Crow got, um, sorry, Horwith here in Australia, got acquired by Deloitte. So this is the long story, but I, I, yep. I think it needs to be told. But um, Horwith got acquired by Deloitte. So that, that's how the Deloitte Lunar Industry Services um, division was born. Um, and then I left I left uh, Deloitte in late 2012 uh, to join CNH Industrial. 
who have uh, Case, New Holland, and then um, Iveco Trucks. And they had a they had quite a big, uh, they still do, quite a big retail um, group as well because they, they would take over dealerships as dealers would, would fall over. Yes. Um, so they had dealerships in Melbourne, uh, uh, Sydney, Brisbane, uh, Perth, and Auckland. So um, as part of my, my role, the first job I had was to, to go in and, and help, help um, get processes in, in, in the finance and operational bits um, into those, those, those businesses. Um, and with the help of, of, of a lot of people, um, and uh, there's a few people out there I'd like to mention, like Matt Davis and Nicole Bell, or Spinks is her name now, up at, yeah. uh, at, at Motorcycle Holdings. So there's a few people that really would help me along there and, and did some really good work with me. Danielle Williamson, is just people that may, may want to know their names being mentioned because they, they were very helpful in me um, doing a good job there. And then, um, so we, we got that organized and sorted. And then they said, Steve, would you please come to the head office in Melbourne to, to run, to, to be the head of finance for Iveco? And that's in Dandenong. Yeah. Um, and by the way, it's probably still, well, it is still one of the last manufacturing of automotive or, or the motor industry. So they, they actually still stamp the parts there, like from, from, from the beginning, like the sheet metal into parts, into trucks. Um, they're not producing a, a lot of trucks, but they're producing trucks down there. Um, and they're, they're the ACO, the Iveco ACO, which is the compactor, which is a garbage truck or the, um, or the mixing bowls for the con for the concrete trucks. Um, so, so it's, it's, they're, they're long, long history. I think they've been making those those trucks for about fifty or sixty years. Um, so I did that, and then um, at the end of twenty sixteen, uh, Wayne was at KPMG um, building up a motor industry practice, and um, he reached out to me, and, and we had a chat, and he said, "Come over, and we'll we'll build up. Um, um, we're we're going to build a motor industry practice again." So we did that for for a bit, and um, and then um, I was looking for a. a a mid-tier home for the business because it's sort of back to the back to the future, back to the to the beginning of where we came from. Because um, uh, the mid-tier really fits better in with um, with, with our clients. We're able to move at their speed, be yes. entrepreneurial, be agile like they are. As you know, car dealers are very agile. They have to be. They, they make yes. decisions all the time, um, and and you have to be in a space where you can move at their pace. Um, and and that, that was the big reason why I wanted to move to uh, a mid-tier. And pictures uh, for me was was the most like what we had at Forwith back in the day, uh, as far as setup as the partnership is concerned, and and the people the culture here is fantastic. Um, pictures have a, a great bunch of people, and um, and they they sort of reflect the client base that we have. So I'm very happy to join Pictures in early January. So I've been here just under four weeks, and um, it's all going well so far. Yeah, it's it's a very um it's a very i think you know the automotive industry whether it really it doesn't matter really what side you you stand on in regards to whether you're on a you know whether you, whether you're a business like ours that obviously specializes in in uh, in the talent acquisition space or like yours um it it's a relationship based business isn't it you know and and when yeah 100 percent um in in in, in its long-term relationships um that that, that make a, a big difference and and, and for me, the and, and I, I tell this to anyone who who, who doesn't understand, um, I'm not a gearhead. <laughs> I, I like cars. I think cars are beautiful things. I think cars, you know, I, I understand why people like cars or, or why they fall in love with certain brands. But for me, I'm 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 a I'm a I'm a I'm a business person. I'm a I'm a financial analyst and, a, and an auditor by heart, um, by by training, and um, and I I like the way the business is set up to make money. And I like the entrepreneurial attitude of the of the uh, of the owners and the businesses 
And I really respect that. And I, and I, and I respect the fact, um, specifically in, in retail automotive, that the dealers have a lot on the line um, and they've actually invested millions of dollars in these businesses and, and they're in, in, in the whole supply chain outside of the manufacturers themselves, but they're mostly listed and owned by shareholders who, who are passive. Um, in the whole supply chain from, from producing a vehicle to getting it on road for a customer, the, the only person who really has skin in the game is the dealer. Mm. Um, and real skin in the game. And, yeah. and it, you know, it's, it's a big deal. You know, you like you, you consider an average dealership has about 50 employees. There's a lot of families and a lot of people that, uh, that have roofs over their head and, and, and food on the table because of car dealers. And, and, and the best bit about the, the industry itself that I, I always found to be really good is um, in, in, in the automotive industry, specifically retail, if, if you want to raise, um, it's the best industry to be in because you just do a better job or you sell more cars or you do, you know, more yeah. of what you're good at, yes. you get paid more. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of places like that. Uh, think, think of, think of jobs or, or, or roles that you could think you could have um, in your career. And I think it's one thing is from a talent acquisition point of view, I recently put something up that, that, that dealers need to be looking outside of their typical uh, talent pool. Um, but I think that that's a great selling point. I mean, I, I, it's, it's high pressure. It can be, but it's a great place to work. Dealer, yeah. And dealers are very loyal people, as you know, um, and they take care of their staff. Um, and the best bit is if you want to earn more, you just got to go out there and do a better job and you'll get yeah. paid more. Um, so, you know, it's the classic, it's the classic, it's the classic, it's a classic sales managers, um, reflex, reflex for a salesperson that, that um, knocks on the door and says, boss, I, I'm not earning enough money, isn't it? It's, yeah. well, that's all right, John, go out and sell more cars, mate, you'll earn way more money. And, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I think that's, that's always been the charm of the industry, hasn't it? You know, it's that, um, that entrepreneurial, that entrepreneurial and business within a business. And it is, you're right, it is something that's very appealing, but the, I think one of the big issues that we find, and, and I, I, I read that article that you put, that you uh, contributed to in, in Go Auto, and, and it's, it's something that we've been, um, it's something that we've been working with our, with our partners on for many years when it comes to roles where you can attract people from other industries. It, it, is the, it, is, it is the thing that should be appealing to people from other industries. You know, by, you know there's, there's a great argument you could be said that, you know, um, especially, especially if you're looking at the sales side in isolation, you, you, can, get a, you can get someone from a, a customer service orientated um, role previously, whether that's in hospitality or um, you know, retail, um, telesales, whatever. And the automotive industry, th those skills are transferable to our industry and those people can be successful and, and really without, without, relatively speaking, without too much time or effort, get, be productive and, and, and get that return on that investment pretty quickly. But, you know, uh, the, a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people and decision makers in our world still fall back to that position of, you know, I want a salesperson, but I don't want to train a salesperson. I want to hire a salesperson that's, that's yeah. got that experience. And, you know, yeah. the, re the reality is, the reality is it's getting tougher and tougher. It's getting tougher and tougher to do that. Um, and it, even well, in a post- That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, I think and, and look, um, being on the outside previously at Horth and at Deloitte, and then being on the other side when I was at CNH and 
you know, and I get it. Um, 80% of your time, unfortunately, as a, as a leader of the business is in operations or in finance or wherever you are, is spent on HR issues at dealerships. Uh, and, and that's the bit that's just crazy. Like, you know, hey, I've got all these issues I got to deal with, take up all my time. But on the side, I actually run my business, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. nuts. But um, but one, one thing I did find um, when I was in, this is a quick aside, but one thing I did find when I was at CNH I, I, with the team, uh, again, we established systems and processes and we documented it and we, and we actually put it in place. And I automated a lot of functions as well and, and, and finance side of the business. But, um, but importantly, uh, uh, with, with the documentation of, of this is how you do your job. Right. And that's one thing. And, and you know, and we all we're all in the industry. Um, it's, it's really disparate where that is. It's, like it's, it's in Excel here, saved on this drive. It's in a folder on that person's desk. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. There's all these processes and systems everywhere, but no one has a central resource of this is how you do the job. Yeah. And we sort of established that at CNH um, and at the dealership so that I could hire anyone. As long as I as long as I had a and you get this through the interview process, if I got a person that's personable, as a good personality, fits my culture, fits my brand's culture, and 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 appears and it has the credentials that they're smart enough to learn, which you know they've gone to TAFE or university or whatever, um, they can do the job because hey, you know, you're you're a good person. I think you're great, I think you'll fit in. Here's how you do your job. Here's 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 the here's the manual, here's the wood the the, the woodchuck manual on how to how to how to perform your role. Um, because and that's important for a few reasons. Because one, the the, the, the talent pool in automotive retail is aging and they're getting older and they're leaving, they're retiring, whatever. Right. Yep. And, and, and we've had an industry of what you just said, Hey, I want, I want a person who I don't have to train. I want, I want an experienced person in my brand who knows how to use our systems, Pentana or whatever it is, auto IT or Titan. So, so you, you're really narrowing down your top talent pool. I, I want a person who's worked at Ford, uh, who knows Pentana, who, who can sell 15 a month. Right. Yeah. And so there's there's like six people that can do that in, yeah. in the state. Right. Yeah. And, and none of them live anywhere close to your dealership. So so instantly they're gone. And then so, so then you, you keep you keep rehashing the same people who have bad habits from wherever they've been. Um, and then and then the other bit is um, those people are aging as time goes on and they're not replacing they're not replacing themselves. Um, so so now we're, we're in a position, I think, where the industry is forced to look elsewhere to look at other talent pools, to look at to look at younger people and saying, hey, this is actually a good place to work. You know, you can learn a lot here. There's a lot of support. And you can actually earn a good, you can earn a good good bit of money. And there's a lot of upward movement. If you show promise and talent and skill, yeah. guess what? You can you can ascend the ranks and you can earn a lot of money, run a business and be very entrepreneurial. And at some point maybe own your own dealership. So yeah. it's all those things I think need to be spun out to the to the to the market saying, hey, it's actually a good good spot to be. Um, and then I think I think internally as as, as dealership and, and the motor industry people, we need to take the the attitude of hey, um, well I'm retiring in ten years, five years, whatever it is, I need to be thinking about who's going to replace me, and and from a dealer's point of view, the owner's point of view, they actually need to be really forcing that issue. Hey, um, you know, Steve, who's who's going to be the next FC in this dealership, or or someone in sales or whatever it is, service, you know, who, who's going to be the next person that's going to take your role. So that you can go do something else, um, or or retire, or whatever. So it's it's very very important, and I think it's something that's that for a long time has not been uh, a front of mind issue, and it's something that I think I think uh, the pandemic may have. Be, it might be a nice circuit breaker to get people to start thinking that way. 
Absolutely, yeah. And there, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of challenges that, you know, the reality is that challenge of that challenge of of attracting uh, great talent to the industry has has been a challenge that you know, in a business like ours, we've been around for eight years. It was a challenge eight years ago. It's a challenge today. Um, it's a know, challenge thirty years yeah, ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 the, you know, I I. I, I always I always think about I, I went to a, a uh, an information night at my daughter's high school when she was selecting subjects for her senior years, and the the only thing I remember from that night because um, they tend to be a bit of a sleep fest. Uh, but the only thing I remember from that night is the principal said forty nine percent of the jobs that our children will do have not even been invented yet. Yep, and. And for me, the I went, the light bulb went off and said, if our industry has to compete with that as well as what we're currently competing with, so the challenge is only going to get harder. Um, and yeah, therefore, you know, I think you you need to we need to look at your institutions like the the greatest franchise model in the world in McDonald's, for example, and say mm-hmm. how what makes McDonald's successful, and that's. Gen- the answer to that question is the 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 generally the store manager that is the store manager started at the front desk and he That's generally it. started at the front desk in that store he didn't start yeah. he didn't start somewhere else he started he started flipping flipping burgers or on the on the counter or whatever in that particular set of bricks and mortar and it's a uh, and it's it's trained and they're trained and developed and succession planned through the business. So yeah, it's mm. a it's a big challenge. It is definitely a big it's, challenge. It is. It is. And, and but I think the the good thing is there is a solution. So um so yeah, it's it, 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 as, as as challenging as it is, there there is definitely a solution to it. And and I think you mentioned that that roles that our kids, my kids, your kids will be doing haven't even been invented yet. Like I think it's a bit more closer to home, even in our generation, my wife's role, for example, she works for Ericsson. And when you think of Ericsson, you think of those old mobile phones. Yep. They actually own, they actually own all, all the mobile phone uh, hardware. So all the, all the mobile networks. And then they lease that out to Telstra and, and uh, Optus and that. But, um, but, but interestingly enough, the job she does for them is she's, she's their, she's their employer brand um, and marketing manager in talent recruitment. Right. So she, her job is to convince you as, as a person looking for a job that it's a great place to work. Um, and that, and then it's not the old mobile phone business. It does because it, it does outsource IT. It does all these other things. And so that, that's a role that, that didn't exist five years ago, but it's sort of just evolved with social media, LinkedIn and all those things. And it's become very important because clearly attracting the right people is, is 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 basically the, the the difference of having a good business or not, and that Absolutely. and that and and as much as people would, will think that it's product and and processes and you know all those things that we think are important, which they are, in the end, if you don't have the right person in your business or the right set of people or the right amount of people that are good, as as good as your product and placement and everything is, um, it'll all fall into a heap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Prior to Prior to the pandemic, it used to be it wasn't the it wasn't your interest rate or it wasn't the price of petrol or it wasn't you know anything significant that was the biggest variable in your business. It was the it was the people that you had within that you know that responded to every inquiry, met met 
uh, meet it and greeted all your customers and 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 delivered an experience. They were they were the variable between, you know, a, a meeting target and and not meeting target. Yeah, no, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and and I, I think it, yeah, the, everything's been sort of shifted um, for 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 a short period of time. Uh, in my view, it's been it, I think um, if you think of how how the industry is currently going, we're we're in a bit of a purple patch at the moment where where we have less cars than than there is demand. We have low interest rates. And we have people saving money like they've never saved money before because uh, they're, they're not going overseas for holidays and they're not spending money um, traveling at all, pretty much. So they're just funneling that that cash back into cars, either upgrading their, their current vehicle or, or getting something for the weekends or buying some toys. I mean, I think the other other thing you, we that, that might get missed in the car industry is that the motorcycle industry um, was down significantly um, and it went down, um, I think about 12 months before the, the, the cars started mm. to trend down, but they went, they went down very steep, but it's just boomerang right back up. And they're had, having probably the best year they've had ever. Um, but on the, on the same thing, like you're not, you're not going overseas spending, you know, 20, 30, $50,000 for your family. So why don't we just go buy a couple of dirt bikes, an ATV and a jet ski, you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> which is, you know, good, good, good for the industry, and and I, th- I think good for people. I think, I think um, let's hope that some of the some of the lessons learned in the pandemic stick. I think lessons learned of I don't need to go on overseas holidays every year. I don't need all these Instagram moments of of me in front of the beach. Uh, there's plenty of nice beaches in Australia. There's yeah. probably plenty of nice beaches within a hundred hundred k's of most people that live in Australia. Yeah. Um, so what, 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 why do I need to spend money going to Bali or Hawaii or whatever? Um, let's save some some money, pump that into assets, buy some buy some toys, and have a bit of fun in our own backyard. So I, I think if that message gets through, I think that's good. And if it sticks, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it's been there's been a lot of learnings taken out of taken out of the uh, the 2020 experiment, hasn't it? Really, you know, it's it's you know, I think there's a uh, different organisations reacted differently. Um, different mm. brands reacted differently. Um, I think, um, I think it, it would be it would have been great if everyone had the level of hindsight and um, and and <laughs> that that um, that they could have utilised to to I suppose have a little bit more formulation on their plan. But it's been it's been real interesting. It's been a real interesting insight into the different organisations on how they've actually reacted through through the twenty twenty year, isn't hasn't it? Yeah, I mean. It- we're, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm primarily a service-based um, delivery, which, which we, which what I do. Um, and the, the good, the good thing about that is a lot of that can be done virtually. Um, I, I, I personally prefer face-to-face. Yes. I guess I'm, I'm a bit yeah, of the old too. guard, but um, yeah. Well, I, I think, I think honestly, it, for for a short period of time, it works um, really well. Um, but, but what you, what you lose is, is the interaction and the connectivity with your staff. And, and you lose a lot of training opportunities and a lot of learning opportunities for the junior staff. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think where you have to be, um, like, more like most dealerships, where you have to be on the front line as, as the client or actually be at the job, um, I, think, I think what we've learned there is we could be a lot more flexible in delivery of, of what we do. Um, and, and I think the, the real upshot is, is it's forced a lot of, the, a lot of what, 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 we knew, what, what we knew was coming anyway, of this omni-channel approach where you, you do a lot of the, a lot of the sales journey online and actually do some execution of the transaction online and the delivery happens at the dealership. It needs to be seamless. Um, so I think a lot of that was forced to, to basically be 
be brought brought forward. Um, and I think it's a good thing for the industry because it's going to make us a lot more um, efficient in what we do, and and hopefully um, it, it'll drive some changes that that are well that are pretty sorely needed. Um, and and I, th I think it's it, like like I said, it's a good thing for everyone. Um, but more importantly, it, it makes it makes um, what we do and, and what the industry does a lot more attractive to people from outside the industry again, um, because we're we're a lot, we, we're not seen as rigid. Um, you know, turn up in a tie every day in a suit, and mm -hmm. and um, and also you know you know you're able to do some things at the dealership or away from the dealership. You can work from home. I think in you know there, there, there's a, there's a female probably a female issue or how you want to phrase it, but there's you know there's a lack of female talent in in the industry. And maybe if, if we show a lot more flexibility, that'll bring that female talent back. Because um, as you and I know, and most people know in the industry, um, a majority of the, of the, of the actual decision-making and the purchase of a vehicle is done by, done by, the, yes. by the wife, not the husband, even though the husband yeah. might, might think he's got some uh, yeah. say, it's usually yeah. whatever, whatever the wife wants, right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, we, we just go in and, and try, to, try to be macho and make the deal happen. But um, in the they end- just sit, um, they, just, they just let us think that we have the decision-making. That's it. That's it. Well, I personally, that's, that's how it works in my family, you know? Yeah, same. We drive the car my wife likes because yeah. technically she drives it more than I do. So yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not particularly a gearhead. When it comes to it, I, I appreciate a nice car, and I, I like, I like, um, you know, when I when I do go to some of these uh, super luxe dealerships, it's it's quite uh, astonishing how how amazing these cars are. But oh, in yeah. the end, you know, it's, it's it's horses for courses. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's real. Is you know, the 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 whole twenty twenty experience has taught us that we can we can change our our methods if we if we need to. You know, I think from. Yeah. Prior to, prior to 2020, we've really pushed back on, you know, no one will ever buy a car online. No one will ever do this. No one will ever do that. You know, it, it you know, it, 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 it'll never happen. You know, we, we, we do the road to sale. We do the road to sale here. We, we do the six position sales. We, you know, we want our service customers to deliver cars to us and we'll tell them when they're ready. It's, it's taught us to be more flexible and, uh, and it's, I think, I think some, some businesses have actually kind of really got addicted to change in a way and um, mm. that, in a, that innovation side of it, it's, you know, and, and there's a lot of, you know, and relatively speaking to our market by comparison to the US market and the European markets, like, like we've, we've been affected greatly and, but we haven't really been affected like they have been affected, um, you know, and, and a lot of um, the, the level of adapting that, 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 the US industry has had to do, for example, has been exponentially more than what we've had to here in the in the local Aussie market. Are you are you hearing a lot of are you hearing a lot from that side of the that side of the pond? Yeah, yeah. So I speak to well, I speak to my family, um, and, and they're currently going through through the blizzard. So yeah, got, yeah, nice and cold <laughs> over there at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're asking me if I wanted to uh, come home and see it. I said no. Well, one, I can't I can't leave. And if I did leave, I couldn't come back. So um, that, that's not going to happen. But um, no, it's one thing I do not miss about living in, in Ohio. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I, I know actually I read this morning or the last night that a few of the factories have had to close because of the snow. So that's going to add to the supply issue. But in any case, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is fr from, a, from a family perspective. I've had family members, um, cousins and uncles who, and aunts who've had COVID um, and have had had it bad. So it's, it's a very, very serious disease. 
Um, and, and, and whilst um, it probably doesn't feel that way so much here, I mean, obviously people have been impacted quite heavily and people have passed away from it, but um, it, it is extremely serious in the States. Um, and, and you never know how bad it'll be because it, you know, I've, I've had family members who get it and it's, it's no, no big deal. And I've had family members who get it and they end up in ICU. So, um, but yeah, so, but from a more broader point of view, talking to my, my, my um, colleagues at Crow, um, yeah, they, it's, it's interesting because it, we, we were in um, NADA this time last year. Yep. Um, in, in February. And this, I, I remember very, very, very vividly what was going on because I remember I didn't want to go. I was, I, it was happening in China, the, the virus, and, yes. and it was sort of coming to America. And I think we had a case or two in Australia, but all the advice was it's okay to travel. And so we did. Um, and we were in Vegas. And um, in speaking to the guys, to the, to the team members, um, my US colleagues, they said, oh, no, you know, this, this whole online thing. That was just it. Like, we'll never sell cars online. Um, electric's not a big deal. Electric's not coming. Autonomous is, yeah. is, is light years away. Um, nothing's going to change. Basically, that, that's just their, was their attitude. And there, there's a few of the NADA guys who have the similar views. Um, and and I, I agree to a point. I agree to a point. Things aren't going to significantly change. There's always going to be dealers. There's always going to be. you got, you got to have a space to, to showcase a car do a test drive and do the transaction and deliver the vehicle. Yeah. I, I, I get it. A lot of times that can happen at the house. You can deliver all that stuff, but you're still going to have to have a place to park all these cars. Right. And it's not just going to be ports or paddocks in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, um, but yeah, they, they, they've all changed their attitude, by the way, really, really 180 almost. Yeah. We can sell online. We can deliver the cars to their, to the people's homes. We can transact, um, um, you know, virtually, um, we can do contactless handoff on services, blah, 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 all these things that they said that they wouldn't do, they're doing because they were forced to do it. And then, and then now EV is a big thing, right? It, it, the yep. EV thing has just come like a tidal wave mm. recently. I mean, uh, Ford, Ford just, just announced that, um, that they're going to switch everything to EV in Europe uh, by 2030. I think JLR's you know, got a much quicker time frame, basically from next year till to, to 2025, they're going fully electric. Um, and, and it's in with the change in, um, in administration in the U.S., it's going to be a big deal. Um, California is going to change regardless of who's in power. Um, and Cal California is, you know, 30 percent of the car market in the U.S. Yes. So it's, you know, if, if Cal as California goes, America goes as, as much as the people in America does, who don't live in California probably lament at the fact that California demands such a lot of um, sway. But that's just the way it is. Um, so. Yeah, emissions is a big deal. EVs is, are coming, um, and and if if you don't mind, I, I wouldn't mind having a chat about EVs really quickly. But um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, I think conjecture or or fear like this this uh, um, range fear, whatever it's called. Um, I, I think that, that that really doesn't make a lot of sense to me because um, no. I, I can't remember the last time, outside of a few one-offs, that I drove more than 100 k's in a day or even 200 k's in a day. Um, and, and these, these cars, all of them have five, 600 K range and, and they, and they actually hold their charge for like 12 months. So it's, it, it, it makes no sense. If, if you have a home or a place to charge your car, if you're in a, an apartment block, um, as long as you're on a rotation to charge it every couple of days, similar to how you fill up your car, you got no issues, you got no issues. And if you're going to do a long range drive, you can plan it out. And usually yeah. there's a charge center somewhere. So so I, th I think the whole range anxiety, that range anxiety is the word. I think the whole range anxiety issue just, just should be, I think there, there needs to be better marketing for that. And I assume 
the Teslas and the JLRs and the Fords of the world are going to do that. They're going to do a much better job at marketing and convincing people that range anxiety really isn't a thing because, you know, I just plug it in at night and I forget about it. Um, or I plug it in once, every, once, once a week and then I forget about it. Um, and then, and then as, as there's more product and there's more volume in the market, um, the price, the price difference will, will, will basically equal out. And in, 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 in Australia, we're, we're hundred percent import. So we've got really no, no control over what kind of cars we get, unfortunately, because it's all controlled from other countries and other, other yes. manufacturers overseas. So I don't think we'll have any option to be yeah. honest. So yeah. at some point it'll just all switch to EV and you'll buy what's on a lot. and It'll be an EV. And that's just the way the, the way life is. Well, you know the biggest the biggest selling car in, in the US is the F one fifty, isn't it? Yes. And and Ford are making yeah. a full electric F one fifty. So yeah. if if that yeah. if if that is a uh, if that is a barometer to build it to build everything else around, you can say it's um you, you can't really argue with it. It's coming and it's here to stay. Yeah, it's just coming. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it and and they're, 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 like the only people that will own petrol and diesel vehicles or outside of transport will be um, rich people <laughs> because because yeah. there'll be antiques, right? It'll yeah. be like Jay Leno and you have, yeah, a, you yeah. have a, a garage full of antique, um, you know, Holdens and Ferraris and stuff. And, you have, yeah. you get, and, you, and then it'll be, it'll actually be really painful to own one because you have to find a petrol station to put petrol in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a, uh, you know, have, uh, have shares at an oil refinery or, or something like that. If you're enjoying this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and not miss a future episode. If you'd like to know more about automotive talent and how we can assist you in the future, please don't hesitate to hit the contact link in the show notes. Back to the episode. But I was, I was actually, it was a, it's an interesting topic because I think one of the one of the things that one of the things that the industry is looking at as far as the EV res, revolution is 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 Obviously, they're a car that they're a car that obviously requires minimal servicing in the traditional mm-hmm. sense. And um, but I, I heard I heard Martin Ward from Eagers um, the other day bring up a very valid point, um, and and he said, "Yeah, that's that's true." But at the same time, I I can't I can't turn my computer on at least once a week without calling the help desk for tech advice. So. You yeah. know, it's they they still require servicing, but it's not in the traditional sense that that we we know it. And and obviously these things are going to be highly connected as well. But yeah, you know, there is a still there is still a traditional place in in automotive retail for ongoing servicing of EVs. Yeah, I think so. In in I've read there's a lot of studies out there to explain how. How long the service intervals will be and things like that. So, so the, yeah, the, the so. In, but I think I think the important thing to remember is that a few there's a, there's a lot of moving parts and all this. But Martin's spot on. There's still going to be servicing to be done. It's just bigger intervals. So maybe less servicing of the same vehicle, but but maybe more more IT or technical type services. Yeah. yeah. Um, more often, which will be more more likely pushed out. Uh, but it, but again, it loops back to our conversation earlier about getting the right people and, and, and looking at different industries because it's a different skill set. So there's a lot of training to be done for the current um, the current tech staff, as well as looking to to getting people from other other industries to come in and to service our industry. Um, but but likewise, I think as as cars go to EVs, their 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 potential will be less less vehicles on the road, 
but those vehicles will do more Kangs. Yeah. And, and I, I wrote about that a few years back, but, um, but I, there's, there's definitely going to be less cars, especially as EV and, and a, 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 autonomous vehicles come coming in, uh, in, um, in tandem, but less cars equals more Ks because we're not going to do less trips. Like, we're, we're still going to do the same amount of trips, probably more because it'll get cheaper. It'll actually be cheaper to travel because uh, at the moment, it's I think the, the number is, it's about, I got to remember, but it's, it's over 10 cents a K. Um, but with electric, it goes down to something like six. And then uh, with autonomous, it goes something like four or two. So it'll be actually cheaper to travel, which means more people will travel uh, by, by vehicles. And and actually might even be cheaper, you know, at some point to to rather than catching a flight from Sydney to Melbourne, and if it is autonomous, you just jump in the car and it it actually delivers you to where you want to be rather than an airport that's an hour away. Yeah. So um so it, it, there's there's a lot of possibilities on all that stuff. Like EVs are are so if you think of 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 current state of the industry, things will keep ticking along as they are for the next couple couple years. Um, let's hope that the stock. The stock supply stays a bit constrained because that's good for the industry, good for the dealers, good for everybody. Um, and, 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 and people's the issue. So, so people and stock are the big two issues today. In, in the midterm, it's it's EVs and agency. Uh, the agency model, we'll, we'll probably talk about in a bit. Yep. And then long-term, it's AVs. And how does that how does that really impact the industry? And that's long-term. It's probably 15, 20 years away. But but like a lot of things, um, it sort of trickles in. Like EVs, for example, EVs have been around for for yonks. Like yes. you know, the, the, the yeah. technology is not new; it's been around forever. It's just it's just never never been profitable. So that's why OEMs never made those cars. And they started to make them. You know, they, they made the um, what was the it was the Leaf. Um, there was the Mitsubishi. What was the I car? Whatever. All these types of models that that in my view they they made them look really ugly so that yes. people wouldn't buy them because they yeah. actually lost. 15 grand per car when they sold them. Mm. Um, and then then Tesla came along and made them look good and uh, made them sexy, as, as, as Elon Musk said. Um, so then it sort of switched the, the mindset of people saying, oh, well, I can own a, an EV and it's not this ugly thing. I've got to drive around and be made fun of. It's actually a nice looking car and it's, and it's an aspirational type vehicle. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say the Model 3 is aspirational, but you know it's still nice um, and it's relatively expensive. But the, the X and Ys and the, the, and the S are really nice vehicles. Um, so I guess the, the, the point is it's similar to, to, to smartphones. So because if you think about we, we, we went from landlines to, to mobile phones that are like, you know, the size of a, of a, of yeah, a backpack a briefcase <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to small mobile phones. And then, and then and it was just something you made calls on. You do some occasional texting. Um, to smartphones. The smartphones came along and they were expensive and everyone looked and said, well, why would I need that? Why would I need a smartphone? What do I need something I can watch videos and, and do stuff on? I've got a phone, I've got a computer. A TV, yeah. But, yeah. And then instantly, like it felt like almost overnight, everyone had a smartphone, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing that's going to happen with EVs. Like EVs come with a slow, real slow sort of start and then there's a massive J-curve and everyone just starts to adopt it, bang. And it, it'll feel like overnight, EVs are just here. Um, now there's, there's a long tail of, 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 um, internal combustion vehicles that need to be worked through. There's something like, I think 18 or 20 million cars on the road and we only sell a million a year. Right. So, and if, and of the million we sell a year at the moment, we're only selling 1% or 3% or 4% of electric. So even if that goes to 40, 50, 60, 80%, it's going to take, you know, 15 Ages. years to wash yeah. out yeah. all these, uh, yeah. internal combustion engines. So there's a long tail in all this. It'll be a transition period. 
um, there's going to be an, an ascension of electric, you know, fall off of internal combustion. Um, and, and the good thing, and again, if we look back to the right to the beginning about people and attracting the right people to the business and why this is a great place to work and this industry is so wonderful is it's, we're going to go through about 20 to 30 years of so much change. Mm. That's going to be really, it's going to be a really cool place to be because yeah. with change comes opportunity and, and challenges and, and just your job's interesting, right? Yeah. Your job's innovation. always interesting. Always innovation, innovation, innovation makes it sexy. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, and that's what drives me. I, I, I actually don't find, I mean, I, I've always worked hard, always worked long hours, done all that stuff, but it doesn't feel like work to me because I just love it. I think yeah. it's great. I, this sort of stuff, I could talk about it all day long, underwater, you know, and, and just, you know, and that's what I do. I literally do this all day long. I just talk about the industry with, with people who, who want to hear about it and help clients with their own strategies on how, to, how, they, how they navigate all this stuff. Because um, whilst, whilst it, it, in, in one sense, it sounds like doom and gloom, on the flip side of that, there's massive opportunities. Absolutely, um, and um, there's, there's there's a lot of money to be made, um, and there's a lot of a lot of fun to be had in between. So that's why we do what we do. That's why that's why I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I think you touched on you touched on um, on agency, which is which is yes. obviously something that's very imminent for 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 several brands. Like, you know, we're not talking years and years away. We're talking more months away for for some brands. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, my feeling is that I think, I think, eventually everyone will gravitate that way um, towards the, towards an agency model of some description. Um, mm -hmm. do you, is that what you feel and see as well? Well, I, it, it's just happening. It is. Uh, there's there's six brands currently in this market that are switching to agency, or that they're in some some part of that journey that, that some, we know about. Yeah. By yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, I'm not involved in helping any of those brands switch to agency. I, I just, I'm, I'm sort of watching from the sidelines and helping dealers to adjust to it. Um, and uh, so, so I, I think it's important that dealers understand that agency is change. Um, but like I said, again, where, where you've got change, which causes challenges, it also creates opportunities. Um, so what, one thing we're, we're, we're doing at the moment, we're working on in the background is, is um, building, um, building a, this is, this is your business in the current model, this is your business in the agency model, and we'll put some metrics around that, and um, it will, we'll, we'll go to the industry and say, well, look, you know, we'll help you through that transition. Like, you know, half your brands are still still under the same dealer dealer franchise model, and the other half is agency. Here's how you do it, how you deal with the change and the transition. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. Um, I guess, I guess, more importantly, and a bit, a bit, um, a bit concerning is is what's happened in New Zealand with Honda. I'm not sure if you've read the article out of Autotalk. Yeah. Yeah, but they've they've basically they, they've gone full full um, direct to customer. So no one can sell a Honda in New Zealand except for Honda. Mm. Um, this is from what I read. So I, I'm not, I'm not an insider. I don't know. But from the first of May, um, there are seven company-owned dealerships who can sell cars, and then the rest of the network, which is quite small, it's been really um, scaled back um, from what it was back in 2001 to what it is today. Um, cause in 2001 when they first went to agency. And, uh, so it's been a long time. It's a very long experiment, 20 years now. Yes. They've been, they've, they've had agency, um, in New Zealand. Um, but, um, but long story short, only, only, um, Honda owned dealerships can sell cars at the dealership. Um, the, all the other dealers, I think there's 13 others, I believe, I, I, I don't know the numbers exactly, but, um, they're, they're either service agents like branded Honda service agents. Yes. And then there's, non-branded Honda 
um, service agents. So you're just an authorized servicer. Um, and, and at both of those, cars can be put on display and appointments taken, but only a Honda branded, a brand ambassador or a Honda branded person can come in and actually do the transaction. So it's, it's a different model. Um, it's a different way of making money. Uh, still probably could be profitable. I mean, I, I'm assuming, well, look, in the end, any business run properly can make money. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's likely maybe better for the dealer, but it, again, it's change. So, because you, you're not worried about selling the car. You're not worried about sales volume. You're not worried about carrying stock. You're not worried about marketing. What you're worried about is giving a good service experience. You're worried about, you know, getting, getting the customer flow through the door and then just really working that service and parts business to make, to make the most profit. So you go from a business that's probably say a single site dealership doing 30 million turnover. Um, and then of that 30 million, you, you're doing maybe two, two and a half, $3 million of, of growth. Well, sorry, no, it's probably like three or $4 million gross profit and, um, and making somewhere around, you know, half a million to a million dollars um, at, at the bottom line to being a business that's probably doing, you know, couple million turnover, but your gross profit is like half a million to, well, sorry, if, if you're a $2 million uh, service and parts business, you're probably doing about a one, one and a half million dollar gross. And then you have costs of another half a million still making you know, half a million to a million bucks. So you have much smaller yeah. business yeah. giving the same return. Yes. So is that better for the dealer? Maybe. Depends on your ego. It depends on how much you want to control your destiny. Um, you're definitely tied to the tied to the um, to the product and marketing of, of the bigger overall OEM drive um, and, and your ability to attract customers is only through your service and your and your and your and how you treat them yeah. um, you know whether or not they buy a Honda is, is up to them um, but I think and if you if you bring that back to Australia so Australia is going to the agency model um, for Honda and, and they've, they've constrained the models they're offering and they've, and they've, and they've rationalized the dealer network, all those things. Um, when I look at it, I think, well, the only way this is going to work is if they really try to outspend everyone else in advertising. Because how else are they going to get people to come in and buy those cars? Yeah. And that's the thing. Because whereas before you had dealers who would, would advertise to their local PMAs, and that's the whole idea of having a dealer network, is, is you, you as, as the brand... We'll do, we'll do your national level marketing and product development and push the product into the market. And then locally, the dealer will, will market to their local uh, PMA. When it's an agency, that's all up to you, uh, Mr. OEM. And, and product placement and marketing and, and, and even some part of the sales staff and, and the selling part is all up to you as the agency. And, and the dealer just gets a calm on selling a car. So... So it's it's it'll be interesting how that all plays out. I'm sure they have a plan, but um, from the sidelines, it's all looking quite interesting, and we'll we're we're we're, we're watching with bated breath <laughs> to see yeah. how it turns out because it it is the future. It is the future. It's it's the way it's going to be. Um, um, it, it, it's going to take a while to work through the market and work out how that all plays out. Yeah, I, I think one of the you know uh, you know the agency model. If you if you're looking at the you're looking at the typical agency model arrangement where you know, as we said, dealer doesn't own the stock. Um, you know, it becomes all about that relationship and 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 building. You know, as far as the, as far as a, a retail dealership is concerned, it's all about the relationship connection with the customer, and the and mm-hmm. the and the and and the and the business. I, in in a, 
when 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 that is in when that is in play, I I believe it's a great opportunity to change the paradigm of how a salesperson works and operates in in the industry. You know, when you know right now right now for example, one of the big one of the big pushbacks, um, especially in especially in your in your Sydney and Melbourne markets where there's seven day trade and 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 in in different circumstances is that you know. People don't want to work every Saturday. People don't want to work, you know, don't want to don't want to have a rotating roster over, you know, these periods. And and a lot of a lot of great skilled automotive people have left the industry because of it. And mm-hmm. you know, I think the other thing that people don't want is they they don't want a a people don't want a, a very small retainer and then basically the, the the same weight of retainer earned in commission. Um, the mm-hmm. majority of people don't want that. They want they want consistency and and stability. And I think the the agency model gives us a bit of an opportunity to change the paradigm on how a a salesperson relates to not only the business but the customers as well. Do you do you think the same? Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I think if if we've been taught we've been, we've been taught a few lessons in the pandemic. One that that Australia's um, car market. Isn't a 1.1 million dollar 1.1 million unit uh, volume industry or our market? Sorry, we're, we're more likely a 900,000 unit market, and at 900,000 units, everyone makes a lot of money. Um, where, where, but where that doesn't work is for the OEM factories in Europe or US or wherever they're at, because uh, they because they actually make money by turning turning the metal, right? So hence hence why they, they put the targets on the local distributor, who then puts the target on the dealer and then the dealer then puts that target on the salesperson so there's a reason for that explanation but so so what once that once that pressure is let off there's an agency model in that um so so if, if the targets are set at the right level um and then the dealer um is is focused on delivering an experience and not not to hit a number which then means people then like from a sales point of view or even most staff at a dealership aren't actually being incentivized to hit targets that they can't hit, then, then, then you can actually, you can, you, that's a good catalyst for changing the way we pay people. So you can have, you can have a, a larger retainer, a, lar- a large fixed uh, portion of your income and a small commission bonus structure, which then will get, like, will get you to, to try to achieve that next level for the business, for the brand, for whatever reason. Um, and, and I think I think you're 100 percent right. If we want to uh, to attract the right people, um, we need to have a, a more stable environment, um, and, and that's rostering. Um, so rostering in, in the sense that th- there are people who will um, work weekends. We just have to find them, and there are people who want to work during the week. And, um, and, and, and I think I think the the issue with um, with having that split between weekends and, and week weekly has always been the issue that well. All the volume is on the weekend, right? People want to buy cars on the weekend because that's when they're free to do their shopping. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you know, the people who work during the week um, aren't, aren't going to give up the weekend because that's when they can hit their targets and, and make their money. So, it, the, the whole paradigm shifts, and, there's, and it's, it, there's a catalyst for change with the agency. And I think you're 100 percent right. It's whether or not we, like I think we, we said earlier, if we if we've learned the lessons of the pandemic um, in the last 12 months, um, it's the problem is we tend to forget very quickly. And, and, and uh, my fear is that in the first five minutes of, 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 of uh, getting into our new future, we'll forget all the lessons we learned and, um, and, and we'll make all the same mistakes. But um, I think it all starts at the top 
with setting those targets. It all starts at the top with, with, with the experience and how, how they want to set up the agency so that the dealers can still make money without, without trying to hit targets that they can't achieve. Because that, that, that drives all the, all the bad behaviors through, through the entire industry, all the way down to, to the salesperson um, crunching, crunching um, customers to, to make a purchase that maybe they're not comfortable with or it's not the car they wanted, it's not the color they wanted. You know, and, and, they, and, they, they, and it's a race to the bottom just to hit that number. Um, so I think if we can fix that to start with, which I've got very little confidence we can, um, that would fix the entire system, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we know a little bit too much, don't we? When, when it comes to, when it comes to forgetting the lessons of the past, you know, mm. you know, inevitably, you know, look at, you look at things that you, you know, you look at. You look at things that that have that have been experimented in the past. I look at you know in recent history, for example, the you know the the Ford RJV product pro, project. You know, like mm-hmm. when you think about it now, it it, it it look it it always made sense. It always made sense, but mm-hmm. the you know the 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 application you know was probably fifteen years before its time or twenty years before its time in a way. You know, so it's, yeah. But but because it failed, it won't be repeated. It's a. Yeah, I think I think it will. I think what I, I think I agree. I think I think it set back the OEM's appetite to do it by a long way. Um, I think they'll look back on the lessons learned um, on it in, in in the current the current environment and technology advances, all those sort of things. Um, I think one of the biggest things that that was a, a massive technology advance um, in a more systematic way for Australia that sort of got. Um, I don't know. It, it's not widely publicized, I guess. It kind of is, kind of isn't. Is comprehensive credit reporting, and that mm. that that's a game changer for Australia, um, in the sense that that when you come into a dealership, and, and I'm not sure how many of the people listening to this will will know, but you have a credit score, and you need to you need to you need to monitor it. I mean, the credit scores have been around in the U.S. since the 1960s, um, and, and and it's almost as 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 important as your TFN or any identification number you have as an individual. It's, it's up there with that. So your credit score is, is, is out of a thousand and, and it basically says, Hey, this person's, uh, is, is, is risky or this person is, is a good, is a good customer from a financial point of view. Um, and it's made up of a lot of things, you know, how, how much do you earn versus, you know, how much, how, you know, how, how well you are paying your bills, what sort of credit you have and what sort of outstanding lines of credit you have and all those wonderful things. But to the point, um, with, with comprehensive credit reporting, the whole transaction piece becomes very, very smooth, and and it's it's not it's not perfect in the states, but it's a it's a it's a heck of a long way better than it is here, um, and and I think Australia will will get there eventually, yeah. and, and yeah. over the next couple of years or, or twelve months. But literally, you walk into a dealership and you say, "Well, I like that one over there," um, and and I want you know I want to have a test drive, and they say, "Well, Mr. Bragg, can we get your driver's license for the test drive?" Um, and by the way. Um, sign here to consent for us to do um, a, a quick credit check, which means they're just going to look at your score. They're, not, they're actually going to touch your, your file, but they're going to look at your score. So you, you give them your, your, um, your driver's license. You take the box for them to have a look at your credit. You come back after your 20-minute, 30-minute test drive, and they literally know from, 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 your, from your quick overview credit check, hey, he can afford anything in the lot, or he can, you know, okay, that car is too expensive for him. Let's, let's direct him to something smaller or a used vehicle. And, but then the other bit is the whole process of getting set into buying the vehicle becomes very smooth. 
Hmm. And you can, you can put that out to your, all, all of your brokerages or, or to your bank or however you want to purchase the vehicle. But um, in, in any case, you know, we're, 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 I think there's probably a, um, a misguided notion that in that a lot of people pay cash for vehicles. I think about 90, yeah. 95% of people actually borrow the money. Um, they, yeah. they just, they either do a drawdown on their home loan or they're doing something else. Um, they're just not financing at the dealership. Um, the, the important bit is with comprehensive credit reporting and, and enough competition in the market, the rates you can get at the dealership are exactly the same as the rates you can get anywhere else, right? Yeah. So you're getting the same deal here as you're going to get if you go to your bank or if you do a mortgage drawdown, whatever it is, you're getting, you're getting a better deal here. So people, the, the mindset of ownership is going to switch and, and it's going to be, it's going to switch from, from, from ownership to usership. And it's going to be, a, it's going to be payment related. So I'm going to get used to this asset uh, being a vehicle and, and it's going to go on a lease or it's going to go on some sort of finance. And, and, and the best place to do that is at the dealership. They know everything about me. They got my credit score. They've got all my history and bang, 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 job done. I literally, I've, I've, I've bought half of the vehicles I've ever owned in the States and the other half here. I'll admit it's probably more here now because I've been in Australia for a long time as an adult. But, um, but the, my experience in the U.S. is it's about, and this is, this is 20 years ago, by the way, well, 17 years ago. Um, it's about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours yes. to purchase a car. Yeah. Walk in the door, test drive, come back. I like that one. Great. We're going to wash it in the back. We'll, we'll, have, we'll do the paperwork. You can drive away. That's it. Like it's, it's, That's how long it takes. Buy a car in Australia. Same thing, similar. I go drive the car, come back, fill out the paperwork. A couple of days later, a week later, whatever it is, they eventually deliver me the vehicle. And I've, 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 I've fallen in love with the car and fell out of love with the car about 16 times in between. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you got, you got buyer's remorse. You're, you're giddy about getting it. You get the delivery. You love it. It's, it's so like it, the, the process just isn't, uh, isn't smooth. And, and with comprehensive credit reporting, I think it's the, that's the technology, technological or systematic change that has happened that has been underplayed or not really publicized enough that I think will, will be a game changer in how we buy cars. Um, that, that along with omnichannel and all that wonderful stuff is going to, is going to change the whole, the whole process. And, um, I think that that's I think that's super important. I guess I've sort of lost yeah. my, my train of thought there for a minute. Yeah, no, no, but I think it definitely um, it definitely adds value because actually it's sort of um, I, you know I wanted to ask you about you know about mobility. You know, mobility is yeah. a word that is becoming a part of the vernacular pretty quick, pretty you know more frequent at least the last the last couple of years. And and the OEMs are are, are thinking mobility. They're not just mm. they're not just they're not just thinking the standard business model. But I think I don't think the retail network is thinking mobility to its full, fullest extent just yet. You know, it, and by mobility, obviously, it, it's not just, you know, it's not just Toyota making a, a little glass box of autonomy. Of, of autonomy, it's 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 it, mobility really encompasses everything from, obviously, you know, the way we normally the way we normally buy cars now to subscription to lease to, you know, to to all of the above. So. Do you think it's time for really for really the retail network to really start thinking thinking along those lines? Yeah, that, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> I could probably spend two hours on that, but um, it, the, the the whole mobility thing, a few things to start. So yes, hundred percent OEMs are are really focusing on this because that's the future for them. Um, and if you think about how they earn money, that's they've basically seen they've actually seen the light that. Um, other, other industry players, PE and technology companies are coming in thinking, well, this is a really old, um, very, very old tech 
uh, business that we can come in and disrupt. So this is the Teslas, the Googles, and all yeah. those. They come in and just just instantly just take over and disrupt this this whole business model, flip it on its head, and, and just you know turn it into the next internet. Um, and so I, so all the OEMs look at this saying, okay, well, how do we react to this? And I guess one to look at, which I think is interesting, and I'm not sure it's the best example, but anyway, it is what it is, is, uh, is Daimler. So D Daimler has now split its car and truck businesses. And this was all, they, they planned this years ago. Mm -hmm. I think they, they, had, they had quite a few strategies where they talked about it. So they've, they've got their car business, which is now uh, Mercedes-Benz. They've got the truck business, which is Daimler Trucks. And they have um, their, their old finance business and Mercedes-Benz Finance, which is now their mobility company. So it's still finance. So they, they've actually said mobility is finance. That's that's how they've actually structured their business. So we make the cars here, we we make the trucks here, and the mobility piece is with our finance business because that's how they see mobility. And, and, and when things go up to the electric um, version of what they are today, you're gonna you're gonna see the manufacturer, the the electric company, and the finance companies all come together. Um, and, and, and probably through the electric company or some sort of conduit or some sort of version of that, um, um, go to mobility. And it's going to be a payment-based system where, where you get your whole package for all your electric and, and insurance. Oh, I forgot what the insurance companies in there. Um, the, for your insurance, your finance, and your, your electric package will all come as one. So, you know, hey, Steve, um, you know, you've got a house, you've got two cars, you've got a holiday home, a uh, business, whatever. Okay. Okay, well, here's your package, and here's here's the best deal we can do for you. And by the way, as part of that, you get you get this device, which is a car, it's an electric car. Here, here's your device, and all that's wrapped up into one payment through through the through the uh, energy company or some sort of provider, backed up by all these other businesses. There's a there's a manufacturer of the vehicle. There's a dealership that delivers and services the car. There's an insurance company that that, that underwrites everything, and then there's a finance company who, who who basically brings the cash to the table. And, and then it just, it's seamless. Once a week, you make a payment and somehow you have use of a vehicle, like similar to your mobile phone, yep. you make a payment and it all happens. And then, you know, every couple of years, you swap it out for a new one, which then, which then goes back to the question of, well, do EVs get, get serviced? They do, they get serviced when they swap. You do a swap and you do a full, a full breakdown of the vehicle, clean it up and, and then basically repurpose it and sell it to someone else. Cause the batteries are still good. The electric engine is still good. You just put new yeah. tires, wheels, rims, and a new body on the thing, and washed it out and, and sell it to someone else. So uh, mm. it, it's interesting where it's all going to go, um, and it's definitely a big focus. And it, this is the big picture play. Like this is where it's all looking um, very interesting because because who, who who's bringing the cash to the table? Is it going to be Toyota Finance? Is it going to be Nissan Finance, Mercedes Benz, or is it going to be the the um, uh, major banks? I don't think they will. I think that. The, 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 They'll put a toe in the water, but they'll, they'll come in later. Or, or is it all these big power companies who are sitting on you know piles of cash, and, and and they have the customers? So the power companies have all the customers. They own them all. So through through different means, but they you know everyone has power hooked up to their house and yep. in, in utilities. So if they come to you and say, well, look, um, you know if you if you sign up to this package, we'll give you this 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 device being uh, whatever it is, it, and, and we're actually like you know here's a device and. And you're, you're, we're actually affiliated with, with Benz, um, BMW, and, uh, and Audi. Let's say, say they're the, 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 the three Germans. And, and what we'll do for this one monthly payment for the next six years or 10 years, we, you can swap out your device every couple of years and we'll install everything in your house and you're good to go. Yeah. And, and most people would say, well, that's great. I'm cool with that. Love it. And then, yeah. and then they say, well, here's, 
here's a range of, of vehicles you can pick from and you say, well, I'll have that one. And then a couple of years time, you'll pick a different one. And, it, it, and then, and then you'll add on to the plan. All oh, my kids need to drive now. So, you know, can I, can I add Johnny to the plan and you add Johnny to the plan and it's all just, it's, it's going to be, that's how it's going to work. It's a, it's a, it's a Netflix subscription on steroids. Yeah. Well, it, it's, yeah, it's Netflix. Um, but it's, it's more like, it's more like, it's more like the, it's more like the, the, uh, the Telstra model or the, hopefully not not as bad service but it's like the Telstra model or or the or the or the installment plan model um for for anything uh, like laptops or, or computers of, of any sort because you think about like uh, I think I think they, there was um some articles and, and a lot, lot in, the, in the news about how technology um has really infiltrated vehicles and there's something like 400,000 lines of or, or millions of lines of of code written to every vehicle computer uh, which is more complicated than most most any, of any other uh, technology in, in in any industry, because uh, it came up with the with the um, independent service repair centers wanting access to all the code and the, yeah. the background technology, and, yeah. and they they were complaining about how how complex vehicles are. Well, it is what it is. I mean, you think about especially when it's going from you're going from from zero um, autonomy vehicles to level uh, I don't know the levels personally. I think it's four or five to level. T- Two, three, whereas you know, brake assist, lane departure. Um, what's the other one? Because I'm thinking my car. I've, I've got, I've got, I've got the brake assist. I've got lane departure. Um, I've got adaptive cruise. Cruise. The car basically drives itself. Like you, you literally, unless you force the car to get into an accident, you can't, you can't hit anything anymore. Yeah. I remember I was backing up the other day, and I backed up too quickly, and the car thought I was going to hit the wall, and it slammed on the brakes for me. Yep. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I know what I'm doing, car. You know. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, let me yeah. let me back the car up. But um, yeah. Well, it probably it probably stopped me from hitting the wall, to be honest. Yeah, but um, yeah. but in any case, you know, it, it, that, that's that's the thing. Like, it, uh, all these things are very interesting. I think um, and and, I, and without going too deep into it, but there's you know there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of movement happening around the industry around a lot of things, uh, parts supplies. Into panel shops and, and things like that because because there's, yes. there's been a, a massive reduction in accidents. Um, AMA's in the news for other reasons, but what, what the, the reason it should be in the news is that their business is in massive decline at the moment because no one's driving, and there's and, and people aren't crashing into each other. And I think the same the same thing will be. Um, I mean, whilst I think panel businesses are actually good businesses to invest in as dealers or as as uh, as individuals, I think you know, have a look yourself and make your own decisions. But um, but if you look at if you look at panel shops, like there's there's going to be an interesting sort of fluctuation as to how to how, how does all this driving assist uh, technology and AV built into vehicles uh, prevent people from having crashes? What, what what impact does it have on part sales, panel shops, and, and dealerships themselves, and the OEMs as well? So there's and insurance companies, and it's all tied together, guys. Yep. Yeah. There's a, and there's and there's no doubt there's no doubt plenty of other plenty of other knock-on effects that you know we haven't haven't thought about or computed yet so it's mm. a but at the same time you know the future is very exciting obviously um and yes. coming full circle to how we started this conversation i think it, given given all of that it's still an industry that does require people and it does require good people and it it's yep. a um it, it 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 it's up to us to 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 groom the next generation of of leaders into it, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I totally agree, and that, and that's like I think if you look at the current um, the current state of, of play, I think the two two, two main issues are people uh, getting the right people in your business and, and stock. 
I mean, I, I know st that, that that's short term, but those are those are the two main things. And the, and the people issue will never go away. I think you mentioned it; it's been around forever. Um, it, it's always going to evolve. But importantly, you know, get the right people in your business. Uh, take the time to train them up and, and make sure that you're you're building you're building their their skills and capabilities to to, to deliver what you need. Um, and forever, it's going to it's it's a service industry. Where whilst we think we're selling product, it's a service industry. And, and there's always going to be dealerships because you need sales outlets and, and places to actually, you know, display and demonstrate the, the product. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. If only there was a good, if only there was a good um, um, service provider that, uh, that really, it helped people with, helped businesses with their people selection. I think that's a great idea for a business moving forward. Might great be idea. a bit of, might be a bit of uh, self-interest tongue in cheek there. I've, <laughs> I've really appreciated your time today, Stephen, and, and we'll wrap up. But before I do, a, uh, how, do, how do people get in touch with you? Obviously, you've, you've given a lot of great insights today. And, and if people want to, I suppose, learn more about Pitcher Partners and, and, and how you can add benefit, how, how do people connect? Yeah, well, they can go to our website, uh, pitcher.com.au, or they can write me an email, um, Stephen with a V dot brag, two Gs, at pitcher.com.au. Or they can ring me on my mobile. I'm happy to answer any any calls. Oh four three seven four four five two hundred. But um, yeah, open to anything. Um, and you catch me on LinkedIn. Um, all my contact details are there as well. I don't hide my details. <laughs> no, no, I'm happy and I, and for I, people to reach out to me. Yeah, and I reckon uh, I, I recommend following uh, following on following you on LinkedIn if you're not doing so already. There's some there's some great content and and a lot of the things you talk about just make a lot of sense and, and give great insights. So. Mate, I really appreciate your contribution today and, and uh, yeah, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks, Stephen. Good on you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast wherever you are and whatever you're doing. If you're interested in learning more about how automotive talent can add value for you or your business, please make contact through the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care and happy trading.